it was, it was time well spent, so it's not too long. Uh, so let me give you just a little heads up. We uh, are starting a new month, the month of August. And what we have decided as a community leadership team is that we'll go month by month and we'll look at how our community is doing as far as the positivity rate. And as soon as there's a decline in that rate for two weeks, then we'll start making plans for gathering in person. And then as Steve said, we're going to continue to do our online as well. Uh, do both because that seems to be a good thing that's happening right now. So be patient. Uh, I did read this week that uh, the virus has plateaued in Bear County. Comal County is tracking along with uh, Bear County. So we may be seeing a plateau and now we just are praying for that downturn. So um, just count on online services this month and we'll keep you posted for next month. And then it kind of throws me into I, I, uh, the beginning of each year, January, February, we've tried for the past several years to get our community leadership team away uh, for a night and a day to plan for the new year. And it's, it's really one of my favorite uh, getaways. So in, in that time, we always try to go out alone and each of us takes a blank piece of paper and we just say, Jesus, what's on your mind? What, what do you have in store for us this year as a community? Well, we didn't get to do that this year. We, we, were, we just could not find the right place for us to go or the right time. And uh, so we didn't, we didn't get to listen to Jesus. And then March arrived. And once March arrived, I mean, like, do you remember March? I mean, it was only five months ago. I think Otto said last week, it seems like five years ago. Uh, you know, all of our plans turned upside down and we entered this new season of life and ministry and I have to say I was not prepared for it. Uh, I, I hope he would say you weren't prepared for it either. <laughs> I think we were all in the same boat. We were not prepared and I have kind of wondered over the past five months, well, I wonder what Jesus would have said to us as a leadership team back um, in January, February, if we would have had that time with him. But, you know, regardless uh, of that speculation, I still think we would have ended up at this time feeling like we were ill-prepared for the past few months. I mean, we have this whole new vocabulary. When, when did we talk about pandemic or novel coronavirus or flattening the curve? or social distancing, and if you go, if you kind of slow down and enunciate epidemic, epidemiologist, and that's a hard one for me, you know, all these words that are now in our conversation, but we didn't have them before, are, you know, who planned for a quarantine? Who planned for schools to be suspended? Uh, homeschooling, working from home, unemployment, Restaurants closed, grocery shopping with masks on. Whoever would have thought of that? I mean, who was prepared for that? So as these months click by, uh, who's prepared for all of this to continue? And we don't, uh, there's an uncertainty. We don't know when's it going to end. 
So I want, what I want to do this morning, and, and I'll do this occasionally, we're still in the theme of reconciliation. This morning is not about that. I'm taking a break from that. But I want us to begin to think about when this season is over, when we can be back together. I, I know that this is not going to last forever. Uh, so I want us to begin to talk about what lies ahead of us. And I'm really thinking about what, what kind of structure does our community need when we face a pandemic season like this? One of my regrets, when we could not meet together as a large community, we didn't have the structure for smaller groups of people to meet. Some of you have discovered to do that, but most of us, we, did, we didn't have a place to do that. So what would be a structure? What could we... As a, as a community do to help one another when we couldn't meet together uh, in the same room once a week. So I want us to explore our history. I, I know and I hope you know that we are not the first of God's children to face difficult circumstances. See if you can remember these three snapshots from our family history. The children of Abraham in Egypt in slavery, doing forced labor for an oppressive regime. Daniel and his companions thrown into a fiery furnace for refusing the whims of an insecure, narcissistic emperor who demanded idolatry. Paul, Barnabas, John, Mark, helping churches during a global famine and at the same time, the beginning of a state persecution against the young church in Jerusalem. What can we learn from that history, from those snapshots to help us in our present circumstances and beyond? So let me read from our family album and try, if you could, as I read, I'm just going to read a paragraph or so from each of those events. Try to picture each of these stories. And then I want you to try to look for a common thread in all three accounts. So first, let's go back to Egypt in Exodus 6. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as El Shaddai, God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they resided as aliens. I also have heard the groaning of the Israelites whom the Egyptians are holding as slaves. And I've remembered my covenant. Say to the Israelites, I'm the Lord. I will free you from the burdens of the Egyptians and deliver you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with a mighty act of judgment. I will take you as a people. I will be your God. You shall know that I am the Lord your God who has freed you from the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give to you that land for a possession. I am the Lord." Now, these are the things I would highlight. God appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God established a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God gave to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob the land of Canaan. 
And when God heard the groaning of the Israelites in slavery to the Egyptians, He remembered His covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God promised to bring the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt into the land He swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, what I've just read, what are the three things I want you to remember? What was repeated the most? There you go. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Remember that. Now let's go to Nineveh, Daniel 3. They were standing before the statue that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. The herald proclaimed aloud, You're commanded, O peoples, nations, languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, drum, an entire musical ensemble, you are to fall down and worship the golden statue that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. Therefore, as soon as all the people heard the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, drum, and the entire musical ensemble, all the peoples, nations, and language fell down and worshiped the golden statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and tattled on the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, drum, an entire musical ensemble shall fall down and worship the golden statue. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These pay no heed to you. They do not serve your gods and they do not worship the golden statue that you set up. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Israeli immigrants in Babylon refusing to worship a giant idol of the Babylonian emperor. And these Chaldean public officials, jealous of these three who were more successful in the governing of the empire, letting the emperor know that they were disobedient to the law. And so the emperor, Nebuchadnezzar, was enraged. Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought in. So they brought those men before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods, and you do not worship the golden statue that I've set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, drum, and entire musical ensemble, Fall down and worship the statue I've made well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. Who is the God that will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to present a defense to you in this matter. If our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and out of your hand, O king, let him deliver us. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods, and we will not worship the golden statue that you've set up. Shadrach, 
Meshach, Abednego, held their ground before an enraged emperor, refused to worship an idol, even when threatened with a death sentence. I know that's a longer story, but there's three things I want you to remember from that story. What are the three? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Aren't you glad it wasn't the musical line? So from Exodus, we're remembering who? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now let's go to Antioch, to Jerusalem, Acts 11 and 12. At that time, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and predicted by the Spirit that there would be a severe famine all over the world. This took place during the reign of Claudius. The disciples determined that according to their ability, each would send relief to the believers living in Judea. This they did, sending it to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. About that time, King Herod laid violent hands upon some who belonged to the church. He had James, the brother of John, killed with the sword. And he saw that it pleased the Jews, so he proceeded to arrest Peter also. When he had seized him, he put him in prison and handed him over to the four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending to bring him out to the people after the Passover. While Peter was kept in prison, the church prayed fervently to God for him. The early church, forewarned by prophets of an impending global and severe famine, Barnabas, Saul, and then John Mark will join them. They're recruited to collect an offering and take it to the church in Jerusalem to help sustain the community through that famine. And at the same time, a king, King Herod, a Roman-appointed king, begins to violently persecute the church in Jerusalem. James is executed. Peter is arrested with the obvious prospect that Peter will be executed next. Now, from that snapshot, three names to remember. Barnabas. <laughs> Too many names in there, wasn't there? How about Barnabas, Saul, and John Mark? Okay, will you go with that? So, I mean, that was quick, but that's three snapshots. Difficult seasons for the children of God. In slavery, forced labor, oppressive emperor, a, a, like a crazy emperor wanting people to worship him, uh, the threat of being thrown into a fiery furnace. New Testament, uh, a, pan, a pandemic of the sense of a famine, a global famine, and then persecution from a king. So all of those tell us that whether you're in the Law of the Prophets, that's the summary of the Old Testament, or you're in the New Testament, God's people face a variety of horrific circumstances. And while those circumstances vary, there does seem to be a constant thread that runs through each account. And this is what I see. God does intervene. God does help His people. God does come to their rescue. God does support His people 
in difficult times, and there seems to be a group of three involved in God's work. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Barnabas, Saul, John, Mark. Now, through these groups of three, God does his work of relief. Here's a quick ending to each story, starting in the New Testament, going to the Old. The Word of God continued to advance and gained adherence. Then after completing their mission, Barnabas, Saul, returned to Jerusalem and brought with them John Mark. They completed the mission. King Nebuchadnezzar, having thrown Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego into the fire, was astonished, rose up quickly, said to his counselors, Was it not three men that we threw bound into the fire? They answered the king, True, O king, he replied, But I see four men unbound, walking in the middle of the fire. They're not hurt, and the fourth has the appearance of a god. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the door of the furnace of blazing fire and said, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out. Come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire. Wow. Their hair, the hair of their heads was not singed. Their tunics were not harmed. Not even the smell of fire came from them. And so Nebuchadnezzar said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. They disobeyed my command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Wow. And back in Exodus, the Lord said, I am the Lord. I will free you. I will deliver you. I will redeem you. I will take you. I will be your God. So many promises came through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So as I read that and reflect upon it, I want to make a suggestion. I, I think our community needs something like uh, groups of three. It, it's, it's just this really simple structure which we have not had in place and we've, we've entered this season, we weren't prepared. But now as we kind of move forward, as we begin to look for that day when we can regather, I want us to begin to consider a structure that would help us. And I think this might. So I want you to begin to think about two individuals or two families that you could be in a group of three with. And I want you to begin to think along these lines. So we're, we're not, uh, when we're not able to meet together as a large community, who would you want to meet with on a weekly basis in a small group of three individuals or three families? If I put on my like doomsday hat, you know, who's literally in your neighborhood? Like who could, whose house could you like walk to? Or you could get on your bike and bike to, you know, it's just the what if. Now, I know for many of us that's impossible, but for some, that's a possibility. And then this is a really important one. Who, who of those two that you would select to be with you, who would, like, take seriously the guidelines from public officials and meet together responsibly and in agree? You really need to be in agreement about meeting together. Now, we're not saying at this point, do this, our public health officials 
are asking us to wait a bit longer. But we can begin to plan for a day that is coming. We can start dreaming. We can start planning. So I just, I just want to encourage you to consider groups of three. Start talking to one another. I mean, start planning now. We'll execute later. But begin to think about that and how that would work and how that would be a system of support for you during a difficult time. Now I begin with a confession of not being prepared for this season. I was caught unaware, and I, I don't want that to happen again uh, as we move forward. So let me just introduce one last encouragement for us as we plan ahead. And it's, it's, it comes by way, it's a warning that's found in the Exodus story. It's the last verse of the paragraph that we were reading. Moses told this to the Israelites. Moses, Moses told all the promises that God had spoken to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He told them, but they would not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and their cruel slavery. The children of Israel would not listen to the good news that came through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, spoken to them by Moses, because they were utterly discouraged by their severe servitude. They were stuck in their present difficult situation and powerless to move forward into the next season. As I reflect upon that, I know this season has been utterly discouraging for many of us. We, like our forefathers and mothers in the faith, may be paralyzed to move out of this miserable season into an uncertain next season. We may be stuck right where we are, and I'm sympathetic to that discouragement. So what I want to do is I want to conclude by asking the Holy Spirit to come and to help us and to guide us toward our next step together. So let's invite the Holy Spirit just a simple request, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, do your ministry among us in these moments. Holy Spirit, give us freedom in your presence to feel the weight and the discouragement of this season. Holy Spirit, comfort us in our discouragement and our loss. Holy Spirit, encourage us to begin to hope for a change of the seasons. Guide us in the way forward. Show us how to remain a connected community while we're not able to gather together in the same room. Knit us together in small groups by your natural, supernatural work among us. And finally, bring healing 
to our friends and family infected by COVID-19 or the effects of this pandemic season. Come, Holy Spirit. Help us.